Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Julian Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. What's going on, man? Not, well, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Now you're doing fine? Oh, it's a great day. No, Well, you yeah. were not happy just a moment ago. What are you ago. talking about? This is this Thursday. I, it's Thursday. You're talking about Monday? I'm talking about Monday's episode. Oh, yeah. Monday's episode, yeah. Mm. Eh, the leaf blower guy. Leaf, it was so a leaf what blower. Though? What? What Why? the heck, dude? Leaf no, blowers. He's allowed to do that on his okay, property. Okay, listen. Leaf blowers are just the worst invention ever. If he was mowing his lawn, I would have complained, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have had a right to complain. If he was, you don't have a right ed- to complain. Oh now. yes, I know you leaf don't. Blower. Why? Because all it does is, first of all, it's super loud, mm-hmm. and uh, it blows up all the dirt and the particulates and the mold and stuff that's been laying there, not causing problems. And then it causes problems for all the weaker people in the world. No, not like me. Of no, course, apparently, but, like you, know, you because no, I don't have nope. I don't have allergies. You don't have allergies? Nope. Really? You nope. just got done saying I'm not feeling good. No, that's because. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. I got my, my eye thing. Oh yeah, your eye so, thing. Yeah, your your pink eye. I don't what have pink you, eye. Stop it, Joe. What did you get the drops? I got the drops. Okay, so good. You got the so drops. It's not pink, pink eye for everybody. It's not pink eye. Pink I have eye. iritis, and it comes back from time to time, yeah, and it makes my eye eyeballs yeah. swell up. Mm. And it, it, what um, color? Wait, hold on, though. What it swells up? Red. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So it's even worse than pink eye. Red eye. It's red eye. Red eye. I, it's better because yeah. pink eye. No, it's not pink eye. Yeah. Pink eye. No, nope. everybody knows what pink eye is, and they associate it with poop and all well, kinds why? of stuff. Fecal bacteria. Why, why would they that's do that? That's how it's some, well, some kind of transition. Well, apparently you're sitting there in your backyard raking up poop particles. If I have it, it's because of Mr. Uh, leaf Blower, not because raking it doesn't do it. It's got to be the leaf so, blower. Uh, okay, why is it the leaf blower does it but not the rake? Because the rake, all the rake does is rake the leaves that are on the top. The, the leaf blower blows up all the dirt and the dust and everything else from the bottom. Don't, don't, even, talk, don't even test me, son. I know what I'm talking about. How, how do you know what you're talking about? When, when's the last time you've done your, your yard? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, just give me just know, five. A week ago? Not a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, like I mow. Two weeks ago? I, probably. Three weeks ago? No. Two weeks Nobody ago. cares. You're trying to catch me. You're not going to catch me. I'm going to catch you. You're not going to catch me. I'm going to catch you. All right, listen. That, when did you rake? Oh, I don't rake. Oh, so what do you do? Uh, I just leave it. All right. Now you're yeah. the annoying neighbor. No way. That wasn't annoying. You're oh, that, the no. annoying neighbor. Leaf blow. No, nobody cares. No, everyone nobody does cares. care. Nobody cares. Everyone does care. I'm trying to everyone stop you from embarrassing you. yourself. I'm not embarrassing myself. You're, I'm embarrassing you're a little you. embarrassed right now. Uh-huh. It's okay. Don't it's worry about it. It's okay, Joe. So you feel better? No. No, you don't feel better? Yeah, you I, do feel, I better? feel better when we're done. Oh, why is Let's that? Let's answer this email. Well, fine. Let's answer this email, Pink All right. Eye. All right. Hey. Pink Eye Guy. Show, show respect. I am. Show respect for my for my red eye. It's not, uh, it's not Pink So, eye. Joe, we received an email after uh, yeah. our episode on, let's see, the 1689, Chapter 3, Paragraph 1 on God's Decree. But I don't know if I put much stock in this email. <laughs> well, his name is Lucas Stock, so never mind. Oh. I thought you were following along. All right, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Lucas, we got your email. <laughs> I can't believe you thought that was funny. <laughs> that was good. That was good, I'm man. Like, I'm, I'm getting like, old. I like I like the old man jokes. I was like, what is he going with this? All right, I'm gonna go ahead and read. Don't Lucas read the whole thing because it's wicked long. Just read like just let's take it by like paragraph by paragraph. All right, paragraph by paragraph. Subject: God's decree. Message: The latest podcast episode on God's decree raised a couple of questions for me. This topic is probably the main concern that is preventing me from falling into the Reformed theological camp. Let's whoa, start right there. Whoa. Let's start right there. <laughs> Watch the attitude, Lucas. No, he is whoa, not having how an attitude. aggro is this guy? He's not aggro. Why is he hating? <laughs> Holy, no. Uh, what were you going to say? So, no, I think it's just like that, that idea. Okay, this is the main concern that is preventing me from falling into the, the Reformed theological camp. Right. I think 
he's, I don't think he's got an attitude. I no, not at all. I'm joking. To, I think I, I know he's trying to seek answers. He's, yeah. he's got questions. Um, and so I guess I guess that, I, that phrasing of this is what what's preventing me this as is if his the biggest issue, concern. Yeah. Well, it's like as if the doctrine itself is what's preventing you and not something else, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just something like that that says like. Well, because the doctor's not going to change. Why should the doctor change? No, but maybe it's his understanding of the doctrine, right? So it's him, not the doctrine. Well, he's saying this doctrine right now is a problem. Yeah. It's a problem for him. He's the problem. Well, I would say he's the problem. That's it. That's what I'm trying to say. He's the problem, but, not the doctor. But, but any of us, when so we're arrested. So I'm still right. Thank you. Don't yeah. embarrass yourself. So. Paragraph <laughs> <laughs> two. No, 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 no. Hang on. So a couple of things. One is. Um, I love that you're taking it seriously. Yes. That you're thinking through, and yep. that you're listening to the best, you know, Christian podcast. Uh, well, we're up on, there on online. We're the, we're the best. Oh well. And um, look at our competition. So uh, that's true. It is true. We are. <laughs> Come on uh, now. Come on I'm now. Leave it alone. I'm going to leave no, it alone. What? what? You're, you no, I can't. About Jared? I cannot. No, I cannot make my jokes. <laughs> so, um, and so, uh, just a couple of things here. One, you're thinking about this, and you're asking mm-hmm. questions, and you're actually going to people that believe in the 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 these doctrines when you might not instead of going to somebody who rejects them and looking for their perspective yeah that's good right there that's, second that's of all nice heart. you don't fall into the reformed camp thank you you jump into the reformed what? camp head first <laughs> that's how you do it head first you jump in head, head first. first why head first head first you hit the ground you're dumb well no not if it's a deep pool of water and there's nothing deeper than the pool of reformed theology oh you know what that's pretty good. Uh, that was good. All right. There you go. I, I set you up and didn't realize I set you up. Okay. So paragraph two. What's his, he gets to his main question. Yes. Right? My main question is how can, wait, right. oh, my main question is I'm sorry, how Lucas. we could say God foreordains every particular detail of history and is simultaneously not responsible for sin saying it's a mystery and leaving it at that seems like a non answer to me. Because in reality, it just avoids the question without addressing the concerns behind such a question. How can this position be held without being logically inconsistent? I am responsible and God is responsible. All right. Really good question here. Um, we, 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 uh, we respect that you know, you're, you're raising it in this way. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Um, so, yes, we are arguing that God foreordains every particular detail of history and is not responsible for sin. Um, now, there you say saying it's a mystery is like it's a, a non-answer. Like that's kind of what's going to say. Okay. So here's here's our perspective. We're going to say, at least we're going to try to say what the scripture says. Okay? And so the scripture says that God is sovereign and in control of all things, even over the uh con- the, the actions of of wicked men. Yes. And yet people are responsible for what they do. So is God responsible and I'm responsible? Heck yeah, in some way. And when we say it's a mystery, it's not a non-answer. We're going to we're going to answer you as far as the scripture will allow. Um, but we are resigned to be accepting of what scripture says. So for example, when you look at uh, how God interacted with uh, the Chaldeans or the Babylonians as they related to Israel, uh, in the Old Testament, God raises them up to come in and to afflict and sack Israel and then take Israel into captivity. And now that's God's plan to do so. Correct. He says it's his plan to do so. And then he says, I'm going to punish them for doing that because what they did was an evil thing. So, yeah, um, we're, we're, we're going to say both. The, 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 the biggest example, which all Christians have to embrace, is really obvious about God's sovereignty over sin. 
Right, Jimmy? What do you? What's the big one that everybody should be? Every Christian, regardless of your orientation towards um, towards the sovereignty of God and Calvinism, every Christian has to agree in God being sovereign over sin and people being responsible for their sin in this one instance. Here we go. Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 27 to 28. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand... Wait, what? 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 To do whatever do you, your hand huh? and your plan what? had predestined, predestined to, to take, take place. place. What? Oh, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Herod, the Jews, and, yeah, the Gentiles, yep. everybody, 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 everybody did what God predestined beforehand. Yes. Oh, but so, so, so why he mad? <laughs> well, oh, I can't even do it. So here's I was going to do the you mad thing, but I can't do that to God. <laughs> you, you mad, God? No, nope, I can't do it. So look, um, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. It is It is amazing and weird and complex. It can be frustrating. It can be mysterious. It is all of these things, perhaps. But we want to say what Scripture says. Correct. So, yeah, um, I don't think it's avoiding the question. I think it's acknowledging the mystery. I think it yes. is acknowledging in the grandeur of God. I think it's I think it's also acknowledging our limitations and right. that God is is uh is grand, is massive, is big, it's is is he is incomprehensible, that he communicates what he communicates and uh the rest is is by faith. That there is a sense of mystery here. It's not it's not that like it's not trying to give a non answer. It's I am not God. I do not understand God's ways, but I know these two truths, that God is not the author of sin and man is responsible. So one of the books that we talk about here from time to time is Manual of Theology by J.L. Dag. Dag. Um, so you want to nab this Dag, Dag nab it. It's, um, You're proud, aren't um, you? That's a pretty good one. So he's got actually got a section in here on God's providence over sin. And I just want to read one part of one part of this section. He says, the fact of God's providence over sin is incontrovertible, whatever difficulties attend its explanation. If there were anything from which he would stand aloof, it would be sin, the abominable thing which he hates. But nothing so clearly shows his providence to be universal as the abundant proof which is furnished that it extends over sin. Indeed, if he kept at a distance from everything sinful, it would abandon all human affairs which are thoroughly mixed with sin. The scriptures speak in very clear and strong terms of God's control over sinful agents. He brought the Chaldeans against Jerusalem and stirred up the Medes against the Babylons, Babylonians. Uh, these were nations composed of wicked men and could not have been moved by the providence of God if wicked agents were not under his control. Wicked men are called the rod, the staff, the axe, the saw in his hand and are therefore moved by him as these instruments are by the hand of him who uses them. The scriptures descend with still greater particularity to the very acts of wicked agents in which their wickedness is exhibited and attributes these to God. So Shimei's cursing of David and Absalom's lying with his father's wives, wicked as these acts are, in the words of the inspirations of scripture, are ascribed to the God of holiness. Why is this? If it, is, if it be not designed to teach us that the providence of God extends over sinful actions. There's a whole lot more, and there's a mm. big, deep argument, but, you know, Dag is making this point, probably better than we are, that Scripture speaks of God 
being in control over all the affairs of men. Yes. And having ordained all things and providentially governing all things, and yet he is not the author of sin. I mean, that's a that's again, it's it's just a hard hard truth to understand. I think he uh, he continues here. He gets into this whole author he, of sin. Exactly. Thing, yeah. He goes, I don't have a problem with the depravity of man and the truth that I am bent towards sin, but that leads me to conclude that I am responsible for sin. If God makes me sin, even if it is for his wise purposes and plan, then I cannot logically be responsible. If Adam and Eve were not actually offered a choice that they had to make as to which tree they would choose to eat from, how were they responsible for giving in to the serpent's temptations? Doesn't it make more sense in light of James 1.13 to conclude that God has no fellowship with evil or sin because it does not come from him, but rather from our own depravity? Right. So, um, again, I hear what you're saying, um, but it's, it's, there is, what it sounds like is you're, there is a lack of, of technicality as you as you deal with this doctrine and it's probably because you're just not as familiar with the arguments that the reformed tradition would would make um god doesn't make people sin um instead he is sovereign over it and it there there is i know that might sound like double speak but uh, to make someone sin sounds like you put a gun to their head and make them do something that they don't want to do yeah exactly uh whereas the things that we do we do freely without compulsion Right? We are free agents. The Reformed tradition has always said it that way. We are free agents and do what we want to do. And so, um, yes, we are responsible for what we do. We are given real choices to make. And, and God is the one who somehow sovereignly orchestrates all things to work together in a particular direction. So you had said, doesn't it make more sense in light of James 1.13 to conclude that God has no fellowship with evil or sin because it does not come from him, but rather our own depravity. Yes, of course, God has no fellowship with evil yeah. or sin. But again, like like Dag was saying, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have any uh, interactivity with it. It means that he doesn't approve it, he doesn't condone it. And he isn't the one um, who created it, uh, especially with um, a as if it were a good thing, right? Because somewhere in here, and I thought it was there, but maybe it's later on, he deals with um, the issue of the author, God being the author of sin. And I've just lost where he has it in here. But um, he asks, you know, how, how does God not the author of sin if he's sovereign over sin? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, well, first of all, to, to use the word author, um, that word theologically for hundreds of years now um, to say that, has, we've said God is not the author of sin. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't have any purpose behind sin. Uh, it doesn't mean that he can't use sin. Uh, it, but it, it doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean even that 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 sin has come about as a part of God's plan. All mm. of that's true. Uh, but to say that God's to be used to accomplish his purposes. Right. But he's, he is not this immediate cause of, of sin as if he created it and, and has thrown it into the world. It is the byproduct of beings that he created, and it is the consequence of a plan that he has put into motion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, but he is not the author of sin in that he gives approval to it, in that he loves it or delights in it. Everything that God makes, he loves and delights in. That's clear from Scripture. And Absolutely. it's also clear from Scripture that he hates sin. Uh, so continuing, uh, also you guys brought up Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. The problem I had with the way this 
what wait with the way this verse was discussed is that it ignores other passages that seem to say something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes. He's got on, a bunch of verses. Verse, Just verse. read one of them. All right, uh, Exodus thirty-two. All right, Exodus thirty-two. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. All right. So a couple of things here to keep in mind. Um, we've already talked about this in the past. So yeah, while we didn't yeah. deal with it in the last episode. Um, in that episode, we have dealt with it in in other contexts. And that verse specifically, yeah. Right. So uh, the question is, is God, does God change his mind? Well, one verse says that he doesn't, and one verse says that he does. So what do you do? Um, and, and how do we make sense of it? Is one verse a bit more clear than the other? And the way the Reformed tradition looks at this is to say, okay, well, because of all that we know about God theologically from Scripture, that he is eternal and unchangeable, um, and because of these very plain statements that God is not a man, so he's not like us, Yeah, that he should lie, he's not a son of man, that he should repent, that he should change his mind. That's a pretty clear statement, in our opinion, of who God is in his nature in comparison and contrast to us. Mm. Other passages that speak about God anthropomorphically uh, speak about God changing his mind. And I, I think that there's a, a couple of ways that it makes sense to me. One is to say that built into every uh, prophetic judgment that uh, that the prophets uh, throw out throughout the Old Covenant, built into that, whether it's explicit or not, is a condition. If you repent, you will be spared. Yeah. If, if you this, repent, then that. Right. If you repent, God will relent. So judgment is coming. Yeah. Why is judgment coming? Well, because of their sin. You deserve it. And, it, and, and is judgment... Is it possible for judgment to be withheld? Yes, if you repent and do what is right, mm-hmm. um, then then God won't bring it. That's implicit, like in Jonah. It's implicit. It's just not explicitly stated. So it's not that God changed his mind in that I, I had decided to do this. I was committed to doing this. And then they did something, and now I've changed my mind mm-hmm. about what I was. Did God not know that they were going to repent? Exactly. You, if you embrace the doctrine of God's omniscience, you're done. You're yeah. done because you because God knows the beginning from the end. He's not surprised, so he's not ultimately not going to change his mind. It is an anthropomorphic way of talking about God so that we can understand. There's a conditional element yeah. to a prophecy, so that can change. Well, and he, and he could actually talks about omniscience here, right? Right. God is omniscient, and I'm not saying God changes his mind the way people do. I merely wanted to show that the biblical picture of God's willing will are great. <clears throat> The picture of God's will interacting with humanity is more complicated than God simply never changing his mind. Right. And so, well, I, I, I don't think it's it's more complicated than God never changes his mind. I think it's as simple as God never changes his mind. I think what is complicated is, and this is maybe what you're saying, uh, Lucas, and is is how we actually make sense of all of it. And what is, you know, what are, how do we deal with the other passages of scripture that actually, um, you know, do speak to the issue? Um why declare judgment on Nineveh and then relent after they repent? If he made them repent, why choose that message? Okay, well, there's, there's, why is sometimes a question we don't get answers to. No, of okay, course. So, but we can say this. Um, God declares judgment and then relents after they repent. Uh, it, because what does it highlight? It highlights his mercy. Yeah, and his grace. Right? It, it, it shows that this is a justice that's coming to you. And then they repented, and then God spared them. It is, and in the and in the book of Jonah, what do we have? We have a demonstration of God's mercy and compassion in contrast with Job's self righteousness. That's right. So that's really the whole point. If He made them repent, why choose that message? Again, 
um, repentance is said to be granted to people. Okay, you read the book of Acts. Uh, repentance is granted to Israel. Repentance is granted mm-hmm. uh, to people. It is a gift. And so um, I don't know if, if God made them repent, but he granted them the gift of repentance. Sure, I think Scripture says that, so I want to say that. So why use that message? I think because it drives home the emphasis, right? Our message is not, don't do anything until God grants you repentance, right? Our message is, you need to repent of your sin or you're going to be judged or That's judgment right. is coming. Um, because the behind the scenes, behind the curtain, how it all works, isn't that relevant to people. Yeah. What is relevant is you're called to exercise your will. You're called to do the right thing. Now, they, we know that they can't do the right thing on, in and of themselves. Um, and some of them know that they can't. They're just, I can't. There's just something in me. I'm not, I just don't, I don't believe. I can't believe. I'm not going to repent. But then the grace of God comes upon them, changes them, gives them life, and now their heart works properly, and That's now right. they can repent. And they do repent freely because of God's life-changing grace. I think that's really how we tend to think about this. Uh, And he concludes here, these are intended to be legitimate questions meant to better understand what is being said by Reformed theology at these points. I have not yet found satisfactory answers to questions like these, and like I said earlier, this is the main reason I can't call myself Reformed. Joe mentioned Reformed theology being consistent in his recognition of all that Scripture says, but it doesn't seem like neglecting God's surprisingly frequent mind-changing or using the word, uh, open quote, mystery, close quote, as a crutch, which I have seen before, not necessary, not necessarily in this episode, is being consistent and robust in one's biblical interpretation. So, yeah, like I said, um, you, you've listened to one podcast on this. We've actually talked about this quite a bit on other episodes. Yeah. So use the search feature on doctrineanddevotion.com to find more. Um, and yes, uh, yeah, listen, please uh, understand that uh, I don't think I or Jimmy will ever be the satisfactory answer to questions. Oh, uh, Joe. We are small. So humble. Yeah. You're uh, small. Okay, yeah. We are, we're we're here uh, praying together, yep. talking together, mm-hmm. and riffing about these things as we read them in Scripture. And, and so um, we want to point you to those resources that do have the really good answers, right? So we're not 1689 scholars. We're not no. biblical scholars in that no. sense. Uh, we're pastor theologians, right? That's what we are. And so, um, and in our, and you'll find in our, in our lectures or in our preaching, the, there's probably a greater deal of, of thoroughness and, um, and, and uh, I guess, yeah, thoroughness There's probably a greater level yep. of thoroughness there. Um, so, I, we totally understand you might not find our arguments uh, persuasive, but let me just encourage you, um, read some resources like Lorraine Bettner's Reformed Doctrine of Predestination mm-hmm. if you want to have a good understanding of some of these things. Or I would strongly encourage you to get uh, J.L. Dagg's Manual of Theology and read him on Providence. Um, you know, you can you can do the the online search, right? So I, even John Piper on a popular level has gone through a lot of these arguments, yeah. of course, in his in his decades and decades of preaching. Um, so and decades and decades and decades and centuries. Yes, there you go. Um, so yeah, we definitely don't take offense to uh, what you're saying here. We're, um, we're we appreciate that you listen. We appreciate that you took the time to write us, and just know that we do see those passages. We just interpret them differently. We see all of those passages um, that speak of God changing His mind as uh, as either uh, an anthropomorphism, so it helps us understand how who God is in mm-hmm. ways that we can wrap our brains around. And or as related to God's, you know, conditional um, uh, prophecies that reflect what will happen if something else doesn't happen. 
Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Dr. Devotion. You can head on the website, drdevotion.com, that you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, jofostore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday, blog post on Wednesdays, video content when available. Later. <laughs> <laughs>